Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John of the Cross, who was responsible for the reform of the Carmelite religious order in the late 1500s, early 1600s. And it was he and Teresa of Avila who were behind all of that. And so wherever you find Carmelites and they say that they're discalist, that that means that they're the spiritual progeny of St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross. Discalis means they don't wear shoes. Okay, it's a fancy word. They don't wear shoes. Right? So they walk barefoot. It was part of the reform. Uh, but the reform, of course, you know, besides bringing about a more penitential spirit back into the Carmelite order, it involved a lot more other things than that. There's so many things I could talk about with St. John of the Cross. He's one of the greatest theologians in our church's uh, heritage. Uh, I could talk about the fact that his name is of the cross and that he focused a lot on this idea of self-denial and being crucified with Christ, identifying with Christ in his crucifixion as opposed to maybe his resurrection or other elements, other mysteries of the faith. Uh, I could talk about that. He he, he went through a lot of suffering and trials. Uh, whenever you, you set about to reform something, you're going to get opposition. And people in his own religious order actually had imprisoned and tortured him at one point. That's how much they didn't want to change. Okay, So he knew firsthand what it was to embrace the cross. I could talk about that. I could talk about, uh, oh, the fact that he, um, well, I could talk about a lot of things. But today what I just want to focus on simply is the fact of how uh, a man like this, but, but him in particular, but a man like this in, in general, we have these gems set into the edifice of the church that are absolutely essential for the structure, for the well-being, for the protection, for the defense, for the existence, longevity, for the the enduring um, presence of the church in the world. These guys, like John of the Cross, are absolutely essential. Um, People say, well, if you you, want to... You know, read something that you can understand and be bet- and had to be edified by. Read uh, Teresa of Avila. If you uh, want to read something that you're going to be totally baffled by, read Saint John of the Cross. Um, to read Saint John of the Cross and to really benefit from it, you could probably, if you take up his Dark Night of the Soul, your average Joe can probably get something out of it. But for the most part, he's a very, very difficult author, and it requires uh, specific training and knowledge of theology to unpack what he's saying. He was an amazing uh, philosopher and theologian, and his spiritual writings are completely packed with very, very deep, profound, and kind of technical stuff. So he's not easily accessible, but nonetheless, it's by the average person, but nonetheless, he's essential to the life of the church. So, you know, I heard it once said by a priest, and it was like, boy, you hit the nail on the head. Um... In the, in the an analogy to natural things in the natural world, do, does anybody assume that they can just have an opinion about some specific question in astrophysics? Like no one thinks that that's up for just like your own opinion. Okay, that's a that's a highly specific, specified sort of body of knowledge that you've got to spend time mastering to have any kind of idea. And, and to have some kind of something to say and to contribute to it. 
Um, same goes with physics. So same goes with so many things that we, as especially in the natural sciences, we all kind of intuitively know that. Oh no, we we kind of defer to the authority of these guys because they spent their whole life studying this. Okay, um, and it's tricky business. You just don't kind of roll out of bed and have an opinion about astrophysics. Now, why is it that lot, often people think that they can have this kind of off the cup cough? shoot from the hip opinion about matters that are way more mysterious and complex and transcendent as the revealed religion of Jesus Christ that he came to bring to us. Why is that? I mean, it's not, it's not super widespread, but it, you can definitely find that. Uh, oh, I disagree with this guy. I disagree with the, with the Pope, you know, on these matters. It's like, for crying out loud, you know, what if we all went around saying, well, I disagree with that physicist. I mean, if, if if physics is this body of knowledge that you have to study and it pertains to things of the natural world, how much more so these mysteries of God's nature and, and what he has spoken about himself and about um, ultimate truth. Uh, so that kind of wisdom has been given to the church and it expresses itself in various forms. So... There's a basic catechetical tradition that all Catholics of all educational levels should be little by little kind of familiarizing themselves with really over the course of their whole life. Um, but that's, that's the expression of this wisdom at a kind of a basic level. There's a much deeper and more profound levels that really take quite a bit of dedicated uh, study to. And it's a sacrifice. So St. John of the Cross... Uh, sacrificed his life to mastering philosophy and theology for the benefit of the church. And what he did as a result, what, what came out of that were these foundation stones that were put in the edifice of the church that really benefit everybody. So it's just like, you know, take this, the, the building here, the structure of this, of this church. What goes into this structure? Not everybody could just roll out of bed and build this church, but we all benefit from it. You see? So also church and the, the body, the deposit of the faith is like that. So we thank God for teaching. We thank God for, for wisdom. And we, in humility, recognize that this is tricky business, uh, that other people can do this, but yet we can still benefit from it. Um, we look in our gospel today. Jesus speaks about the Pharisees who complain about his ministry, and then they complain about St. John the Baptist's ministry, and they're very critical um, of the wisdom of God. And yet at the end he says, wisdom is vindicated by her works. So nonetheless, this is wisdom. Both John and um, uh, the Lord himself came with the wisdom of God. And because it looked different, okay, John was more ascetic, Jesus was a little bit less ascetic, more sort of, you know, he had this thing where he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Nonetheless, both were from wisdom, you know, and I think uh, today we have a lot of people who are criticizing Pope Francis. Um, you know, I wish we were back with Benedict or something like this. And it's like wisdom comes in different forms and different appearances. And it's nonetheless, it's wisdom. Um, we see here in the prophet Isaiah, it says, I, the Lord, teach you for what is for, for your good. Um, and I lead you on the way that you should go. So that whole process of teaching, guiding, leading, um, it leads to fruitfulness. And it says, your descendants will be like the sand, those born of your stock like, like its grains. And then in our psalm, 
Uh, we talk about meditating upon the law of the Lord and how that's going to lead to health and fruitfulness. So we see the wisdom of God, the word of God, how important that is uh, for the fruitfulness and the life of the church. And we thank God uh, for those who are able to kind of break open the word of God, to teach it to us, to explain it to us uh, for our good, for the good of the whole community. St. John of the Cross, certainly uh, one such teacher uh, whose memorial we celebrate today.